Uh, it was good to talk baseball. Big Daddy Mike came by. We kind of fired up the stove. Started with some Hall of Fame conversations. Some controversial guys that are uh, on the outside looking in for reasons that uh, deal with you know crimes against the game. And then um, kind of political... Uh, Political fire, we'll call it that. So we're excited to talk to Mike about the Hall of Fame and then what's going on in the stove. And uh, we're not that far away from pitchers and catchers. We're going to be coming back with more hardball conversation. Um, me and Mike will uh, kind of break it all down for you. So you guys know what to do. If it's in the morning, grab that coffee. Fill stuff. It's in the evening, grab the drink. Come on back. We're talking all things baseball here on the porch. Michael, what is going on, Big Daddy? Not much, man. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing well, my friend. Uh, you know, snow on the ground, uh, Super Bowl week. We're supposed to have pitchers and catchers uh, reporting here soon. You, you could have fooled me the other night when it was, you know, 15 and, and flurries everywhere. But uh, yeah. <laughs> we're slowly moving in that right direction. Spring yeah. is spring is, the, is coming soon, you know. They always – what's the old quote there? You always say that they've – they say you kind of sit out and you kind of look out the window and wait for it to become baseball season again. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, you, I, I sit by the window and, and wait for the snow to come as I wait for baseball season or something. You know. Yeah, uh, it's it's a Rogers. Uh, I think Rogers it's, Hornsby. I think it's it's Rogers Hornsby. I know it, I attribute him to the quote, but I can't get the quote right. So that's uh, you know, we'll maybe we'll maybe we'll figure that out and we'll. People we'll get ask that me what I do when there's no baseball. I tell uh, you what I do. I stare out the window and wait for spring. Oh, so we were we were there pretty much. We, we, we were there, you know. <laughs> he, he just put it more eloquently than we could. Yeah, a little. You know, also when you're trying to paraphrase, eloquency kind of goes out the window sometimes. Right. Exactly. We should we should know that based off of just life in 2020 as in general. But uh, Mike, let's let's hit in here first, man. Um, let's talk about the hall, man. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm you know, very kind of when there there was no news yet there is news right i mean because of the fact there is no news it's big news at least in my opinion um kind of what were your thoughts on that i mean surprising to see not a single person was selected to to join the class here in 2021 um you know is this a podcast that children listen to uh, I mean, there might be a few here and there, but I'd say they're not like elementary age. Let let it fly, big man. Let it fly. I, you know, I, I I won't. I won't. Does it have to do with some political I, correctness? I won't open which swear jar today? But <laughs> I, I just, I think it's kind of bullshit, Mike. I think it, you're. It uh, yeah. it, 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 it's self righteous. It's. I'll it's put a quarter in there for you, buddy. It is self righteous. Absolutely and correct. I uh, I mean, there is. I think it's. Kurt Schilling should have gotten in. I realize that being um, a conservative in a world today is not a popular thing. He does not have popular. And, and let's 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 be let's be quite honest about this real quick with Schilling. Some of the things that he has has mentioned and, and talked about on his his Twitter pages and whatnot. I mean, there it's it's a little outlandish. It's a little out there. But I think the point remains. Me and you are bringing, and I think the reason. I want to separate a little bit from his perspective. I'm not saying that I agree with anything that he has to say. Yeah. I am saying that he has the right to say it, yes. I guess. And more importantly than that, not even that he has the right or doesn't have the right. Because some of the stuff's just outlandishly gross in yes. certain respects, and I understand that. Absolutely. Does not change and is not the, is not the policy. It is not the job of these writers to decide if he is – to decide – if his actions outside of the game deem him to be a Hall of Famer. Yes. I think that's the part about this that's – because, you know what, and, and we'll get into these other guys, but, I mean, I get why Bonds is not a Hall of Famer. I get why Clemens is. I get why guys who had issues dealing with steroids, you can even talk about P. Rose and his gambling things, yeah. Shoeless Joe, why they are not. Those are offenses against the game of baseball. Yeah. Kirk Schilling did not have any offense against the game of baseball. No. At the time, he was just a play-by-play announcer – on the Sunday night games of the week when he started kind of popping off on Twitter. Yep. Um, I mean, I think it's as simple as that, isn't it? I mean, because when you look at his numbers, Mike, comparatively speaking to some of the other guys that are in the hall, I think Schilling deserves 
deserves a seat in Cooperstown. He does. He he his his plaque should be up there. I mean, he he has three rings to his name. And if you know, and he could have had four. He could have been one of the few with four next to his name had he um I mean, who was he pitching for that they lost the World Series? Like he, he. Oh, he lost. He lost with the Phillies. He I mean he kind of early on in his career got the Phillies into there, and they lost. You know, had had Mitch the uh, the wild thing Williams not giving up that home run to Joe Carter. Never know what could happen for Shill there for sure. He's probably a maybe a World Series champion in the early '90s with the Phillies. Yeah, um, and and got, then the job he did obviously with the with, Diamondbacks. With the Diamondbacks, him and Johnson. And then, and then, obviously, the job that he did transforming that Red Sox culture um, with the bloody sock and, and in ending that long drought. And, and, yep. and then, yeah, and then he, you know, he he pitched in 07, and it wasn't a great year, but you know, he he contributed to that team where he he has a ring. He's a three time world champion. How many are you going to keep? Really keep a three time world champion out of the Hall of Fame? Now, now, granted. Granted, you know, because I, I realized when I, I mean, opened that can of worms, somebody right. there's a lot of guys that have won three. But I, I think, Mike, what what even is more important than what you're saying there is the fact that a three time world champion that was a catalyst yes. on those staffs that won those World Series championships. I mean, the Diamondbacks don't win in 2001 without Kurt Schilling. No, I don't think there's they, any question they, they about do, they that. They do not. They do not the win Red Sox, without Schilling or Johnson. If you and if the Red you, Sox in 04 don't win without them. No, they do not. Because he, I mean, he willed them to that game six victory. Yeah, I mean, and you look and you look at it, and you could probably make the argument for Schilling that in the history of the game of baseball, has there ever been a better big game October pitcher? I mean, the guy in the World Series was four and one with a two point oh six ERA, had seven starts, so he got five decisions. He threw forty eight innings, forty three strikeouts, had an ERA at two oh six, like we just said. I mean. That's incredible. Then you look at the other games. He was 11-2 and two, um, as a postseason pitcher in 19 starts. Had 120 strikeouts and 133 innings. That's tough to do in October. Yeah. I mean, in, 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 in the job that he did, you know, and also the, the amount of learning the hits. I mean, gave up 33 hits in 48 innings in the, in the, in the World Series. 104 and 133 innings total in the postseason. I mean, that is – that's a guy who is able to kind of – Figure out how to get hitters out in the most crucial of moments, um, and it's it's almost unbelievable in certain respects that this guy is now being told by the by baseball that he is no he's not allowed. I mean, he was the World Series MVP in two thousand one. Yeah, um, he was the guy who kind of had the culture um, kind of shaker there that got him into the World Series there in Boston with you know the bloody sock and being able to overcome the Yankees and the big win that he you know, gutted that out, you know, in 04 in the 3-0 comeback. I mean, it's just amazing to me that the guy is that close, I think 16 votes away, and yet because of his his stances on issues, yeah. that, if you know, if we – let's be honest, if this was not 2020, if this wasn't in the, you know, 20 – if this was still a 2004, maybe when he was doing this and the platforms weren't the way they were, no one would even know Schilling's stances on these things, yeah. and he'd be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think that's my problem with it. To be honest with you, Mike. exactly. Well, and and here's here's some things to look at. I mean, in in '04, the man's 37 years old, right? He went 21 and six in the regular season that year. It's pretty impressive. 21 yeah. and six started 32 games, 226 innings, and and this man this man was a workhorse. The most innings he pitched in an entire season was back in 1998 as a member of the Phillies when he started 35 games, had 15 complete games, mind you, in that year. 300 strikeouts, 268 and two-thirds innings pitched. That's incredible. He did not receive a vote for the Cy Young that year. And that was kind of that Phillies team that kind of broke the mold and found a way to get into the World Series. They weren't getting that love. Uh, I think he was was, still very young at that point in time, too. World Series year. This was this was a or this was after this was this was way after that that World Series year. Which one? What year are you talking about? Nineteen ninety-eight. Oh, ninety-eight. Sorry, sorry. I was was he had a lot of complete games there in ninety-three as well. Yeah, so I, yeah. My apologies he, he, you know, the man in his career had eighty-three complete games, yep, and yep. he just um, 
you know, and even his final season in Boston, which the final season of his 20-year career, wasn't a bad one. I mean, you got to look past win-loss record. You can't look at a win-loss right. record. But 24 starts, 9-8, and 3-8-7 ERA. You know, his numbers were a little down, but the fact he went 24 starts in his age 40 season, and, and this was a guy that, you know, he was going 30 games easily. Every let's easily. let's also remember too, Mike. This guy overcame about with um with, with correctly if I'm not mistaken here, but Lou Gehrig's yeah correct yeah yeah. I mean he so I mean he he came back. You know he was great early. Had a few rough patches there in in the mid '90s, and starts to revamp his career again. He gets traded, you know, from Philly to Arizona, becomes a part of that magical. And just resurrects his career, yeah. rejuvenates it there with better ball club, obviously in Arizona than he had in Philly. And then eventually, after he does the work he does in Arizona, winning twenty games a couple of times, you know, having the the great success of helping spur them onto that World Series, they move on from him in, in two thousand three, moves to Boston in twenty oh four, boom, his first year there is able to win twenty one games and helps him win a World Series. Is, I mean it's just it is incredible. It's just inarguable. It's really inarguable how this guy's not in the Hall of Fame. And and let me ask you real quick. Go ahead, Mike, if you got something I was, else, but I, I wanted to bring say, up the point. Two thousand one two in, in a span of four seasons, three out of four seasons, in his age thirty four, thirty five, and thirty seven seasons, his thirty his thirty six his age thirty six season, you know, not anything to write home about, but two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand four, he won a total uh, of those three seasons combined, that's 66 games, 22 games in 2001, 23 games in 2002, and that didn't even lead the league, and then 21 games in 2004. Most people in their mid to late 30s, they don't do that. They're, no. they're, they're back end of the rotation kind of a guy, and my man – it, you know, won 66 games, you know, and it's really 69 games in the span of a of a four-year span if you add the eight games in 2003. I mean, 69 games in four years. That's unheard of. That is, Yeah, it, it really is, especially at that yeah. age, you know, too, when he's pulling this off. And, Mike, I, I kind of wanted to kind of bring, bring it all around and say – you know, and, and I want to get into a couple of the other guys that got left yeah. off the list before we close this part of this discussion yeah. out. But um, to me, and, and a part of this, part of the reason I want to bring it up is because I want to talk about Clemens versus yeah. Schilling and kind of why I even think that, like, you can make the argument that Schilling should be in the hall over Clemens just due to based off his performance in October alone. Um, both should be there. Yeah. Um, but I think in, in reality, like, when it comes to the fact that the baseball writers – and, and, man, Schilling kind of says this in, in his statements there last week, says, leave me off the ballot yeah. because in reality, and, I, you know, he started – I think he got a little – he got a little loose with his vernacular there and said something about libtards or something in, along yeah. those lines, but said, you know, those are the guys that are keeping me out of this thing. There's 16 of them that won't do it. I'd rather be voted in by the players, the guys that I respect um,'s opinion. And then just to, just to, just to kind of beat all – him and Canseco get into a little war uh, on Twitter, which was pretty yeah. funny to see. And I'll, I'll be honest, if I'm scoring that, I'm scoring it towards Schilling because who is Canseco to come in here and talk about anything to do with the yeah. game and integrity yeah. of the game? So I, yeah, I kind of, I feel like uh, Schilling might have gotten the best of it there. And, and for and for Canseco to kind of talk about anybody's character, um, I thought was a little bit rich. Yeah. I, you know. I, and we also know, too, Mike, you know, real quick on it, too, something that doesn't get brought up about him because kind of – unfortunately, he's kind of looked down upon, obviously. But, man, the guy was one of those guys who did a ton – and I'm talking a ton of charity yeah. um, in the game of baseball. I don't know if he ever won a Roberto Clemente Award, but I wouldn't have been shocked if he did because he did a lot of work for charities and, and kind of underprivileged kids um, in his time in the big leagues, especially once he got more established and got into Arizona. I know that for yeah. a fact. I, you know, I, he, he, he did a lot. He was a really good ambassador of the game for a long time, you know, and, and I mean, I'll say something controversial cause I'm not a big ESPN guy, but I, you know, he ESPN, there was a reason they picked him to be part of their broadcast team. And it was because of the, oh, it was because he, at the time he was an example and somebody that people look up to and, 
you know, kids yep. at the time of 2000. And he was a great analyst, yeah. oh, too, fantastic Mike. fantastic analyst. People people yeah. liked him. Whether, you know, you didn't care what teams he played for, you know, he he was blunt. He was forward. He he was good. He was he is a good ambassador for the game. Um, I mean, it's just it's sad to see that he's been shunned from from the game that, that he has yeah. contributed so yeah. much to. You know, every yeah. I mean, in and granted, we, we know that and again, bringing this back, we want to bring this back real yeah. quick again, because with Schilling, it is so controversial. Do not do not agree with a, virtually anything that the man said on his Twitter accounts regarding he always seemed to take it a little yeah. too far. You know, he could have he probably could have had his disagreements without going to the levels that he went to sometimes with his um with his stances, I yeah. guess you could say. Yeah. He, you know, he, yeah. um, he, he has his views and, and that's fine. Everybody can have their views, but he, um, mm-hmm. I, well, and, and I think Mike, just to bring it, just to bring it yeah. home real quick on, on him, especially if his views were very more in line with say, you know, I love the guy, Bernie yeah. Sanders, he'd oh, be in absolutely. the hall of fame right now. It's, it's, it's just the difference, um, in political perspective there with for him and granted he, he said some things he, that were he's, outlandish. Yeah. And I guess you bring in that part about, is it, are we, are they, is the hall of fame mean something more in that the, the, the code of conduct clause that they bring into it. Um, but I think that's more about the game, right? Because we know Ty Cobb was a terrible yeah. human being. We know some of these guys that are in the pro football hall of fame. I mean, there's been some guys that have done some things and they're still enshrined in their respective Hall of Fames. Um, and Kurt Schilling, while, let's be honest, didn't do anything or didn't say anything or didn't actually commit any actions, his words, obviously, on social platforms is what's gotten him yeah. kind of shunned. Um, that's, that in a, in, a, in a certain respect, it's kind of sad because that kind of goes to the whole deal that we've been talking or dealing with a lot here lately with censorship and kind of uh, freedom yeah. of speech. Um, and that those things don't seem to apply at times. Um, granted, don't like anything that he had to say, but I think the guy was a Hall of Fame pitcher. And I hope, I hope when the time push comes to shove that the players, the Veterans Committee, does the right thing and gets that guy in the Hall of Fame because he was the best postseason pitcher um, for, of, the 20, of the 21st, early part of the 21st century, he, he without just, question. In my I, mind. You know, we, we've got to look past – what people say sometimes. I mean, if he was, if <clears throat> it's hard, it's hard to do. And I can understand it at times from people's perspectives, yeah. but that's not your job in this yeah. situation. Your job is to look at the numbers, look at the facts and see that a guy was, was the best postseason pitcher yeah. of yes. his era without question. And he should be in um, mm-hmm. Mike. Let's, let's kind of hit on two other controversial guys here. Because I mean it, that's that's why there's why there's nobody in this class because the three guys that probably should be in all have those red those kind of that, that yeah. cloud over top of them and the next two are Bonds and, and, and Clemens kind of what do you think on their on their kind of uh, candidacies for the Hall? I, I just you know there, there's obviously there's, a lot different than Shillings too though you with know? Um, with Hank Aaron who he said Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. No questions asked. Hank Aaron, the home run king, the one-time home run. Rest in peace, yes, rest in way. peace, Hank. Um, his his birthday was is coming up on Friday, and and he he deserved to. You know, he says Bond should be in the Hall of Fame, and when asked if Pete Rose should be, and he said Pete Rose should not be in the Hall of Fame, and they said because of the gambling, and he hmm. said he gambled. That's against the rules. You know, he said I don't agree with the cheating and everything, but he should still be in the Hall of Fame, and. Hmm. Interesting. I, it's real interesting, Mike. You bring up that Rose, or that that Aaron was against Rose being yeah. in the Hall of Fame for transgressions that weren't necessarily paramount to the competitiveness yeah. of the game. Whereas he says that Bonds and, and Clemens should yeah. be in because of that. Now it's it's an interesting point too with Bonds because I think you can look at him in a t- couple different spectrums too. Because I mean, the guy when he was a Bucko back in the and at the beginning of his career was on a hall of fame trajectory yes. as well. And then he goes to San Francisco and then I think things started kind of escalating with the steroids use and yeah. everything like that. And then he became the polarizing figure that he is. And so like, you can almost look at him in two different, different wings. Like I think he might've been a hall of famer when he only weighed a buck, yeah. buck 85, 
Um, and then he definitely is a Hall of Famer as he keeps moving forward. I think his impact to the game, like it just it a Hall of Fame without Barry Bonds doesn't feel quite right. And I think that's probably why Hank feels the way he does. Although I'd make the yeah. same argument well, with Pete Rose. He, I I don't I don't I don't love that he did what he did, but I also want to say this too, Mike, on the Pete point, yeah. and then I want to hear what you have to say coming back with about these guys. But when Pete gambling is becoming much more an accepted part of everyday life, you know. And, I mean, there's so many different ways people kind of get involved with gambling now yeah. and on baseball, too, that I think Pete's Pete's kind of his sentence now is maybe worn out. It's welcome in my book. I think MLB has so many things yeah. to do with gambling and there's so many things. Now, granted, you're not supposed to do it when you're in the game. And he was doing it while he was managing, always betting on his team. So yeah. we so we hear um, it makes and it, man, from everything that you see. That's that's exactly what it was. Still doesn't excuse it. But I think that it's getting to that point now with him to where we need to at least examine having the hit king the, I, in it's, the hall. It's just a crime. It's a crime that the hit king is not in the hall. Um, it's it's a crime that the home run king is not in the hall. It's it's a crime that some of these amazing players, you know, where, you know, these are these are once in a lifetime generation players, you know. Um, I mean, I will not taint the good name of Mike Trout, you know, but if, if Mike Trout started doing some controversial things, would they then start, you know, yeah. would they, would they leave him off the ballot? I mean, you know, it's, it's right. just, a, it's, it's yeah. sort of in that same realm, right? I mean, it's because, because Clem, I mean, we haven't even really no. brought up Clemens yet, but he's in that same, same rarefied air as Bonds and, and and, um, yep. and and of course Pete, you know, and it's interesting too because I think we're taught we talk a lot about Schilling off the top, and we feel the way we do feel about we feel about Schilling because Schilling didn't do any of those offenses against the game, and he was the best postseason pitcher. Now, I wouldn't say he's in the level of these other three guys um, that we're yeah. discussing. Um, although, I mean, what do you think though, Mike? Let me ask you real quick: Clemens versus Schilling. You know, who do you it, lean it's with? funny because you look at you look at the numbers and and I've always kind of been like a meh on on shilling. But, you know, when you take a deeper look at the numbers and you got to also look at the teams that they played for, you know, shilling played on a shilling played exactly. on a lot of bad Philly teams. And he started his career with some terrible some, Philly you know, Baltimore teams. three years in Baltimore, a year in Houston, and then went to Philly and, and started picking it up. But and then Clemens, I mean, he was just a workhorse with really good Boston teams. And then he did really well in yep. Toronto in 97, 98. Then he was with the Yankees and, and everything else. Wherever he went, you know, but the other thing, too, is not all those teams were like playoff bound teams for, for Clemens. You know, but he made, you know, he just, when he went out there, he did his job and gave his team a chance to win. And that's not to say that Schilling didn't give his team a chance to win, but you know, there's there's a few more blemishes, you know, here and there. Oh yeah, well, and it's just more to work with, more to work with there on Clemens' side. I mean, you think about it, those Boston teams, if they weren't the team that was coming out of it and finding yeah. a way to make it into the postseason those years in the in the eighties. I mean, and, and really though, if you think about it, man, I mean, Mike Clemens Clemens pitched in the postseason with Boston in 86, 88, yeah. 90, 95. Then he pitches in it, you know, in ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one. Oh two, oh three, oh four. Of course, you know those years with the Yankees. Then, then the backside of his career is on some championship yep. teams with Houston. Um, you know that that made it to a World Series run. So I mean, it's he was definitely on some great teams, which helps his yeah. win totals. Obviously, um, you know both were power pitcher strikeouts, strikeout guys. But I'll say this about Roger Clemens real quick: if you compare his postseason numbers to Schilling, yep. it's not even competitive. Roger was twelve and eight. In 12 years, 24 series he was involved in, 12 and 8, he only – he had 30 – I mean, essentially, the guy had 34, 34 starts and 12 wins as opposed to what Schilling did. So, I mean, long haul, you take Clemens, the longevity of the career. He, he didn't have as many rocky points in it as as did Schilling. Um, but postseason-wise, I, I think I'm taking – I think I'm taking uh, Schilling all day, although I will say – Clemens in the biggest of stages in October, the po the World Series was three and zero in his eight starts, struck out forty nine guys in forty nine and a third innings, allowed thirty seven hits. So when the stage was the biggest of all, 
Clemens but, was pretty damn good. I'll give you I'll give you Shelley's numbers. Seven starts, a complete game shutout, mind you. Yep. Four and one, 48 innings pitched, 33 hits allowed, only 11 earned runs, uh, struck out 43, walk 10 to a tune of a 2.06 ERA. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's still still yeah. slightly shilling, um, maybe yeah. in everything but the Ks. Um but yeah, Clemens and, and man, it's it's one of those things too where I feel like Clemens and Bonds definitely getting on the veterans committee, probably Schilling as well. Um, I although who knows, Schilling may still not get in on the veterans committee. And you know, it's funny he even says I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure I am a Hall of Famer. Um, I think he's being pretty modest in that. In that, but I think he realizes, you know, I'm I was I'm on the fringe the fringe in terms of my career other than my October ability. But let's yeah. be honest, that's when it matters the most. And for him to have done what he, what he did at times when it matters the most, yeah, that's more important than anything. I, you know, I, I think um, you got to have Bonds, you got to have Clemens, you got to have Schilling in there. You know, my, my opinion on Schilling has changed over the last few years. I've never always been on the put Kurt Schilling in the, uh, in, in there, you know, if, if I were given a vote, I probably wouldn't have had him on right. my ballot. I would have had other people on my ballot before him, uh, but he would be on my ballot now, you know. Um, oh, but, you know, Mike, I'm going to say this real quick, and I, I get where you're coming with that. Yeah. I mean, if you're a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer, you know. Um, but it is nice to know that the 2020 class will be inducted next year, so at least yes. we'll get the feel yeah. of the Hall of Fame still. Um, we'll have Jeter and uh, Larry Walker um, will be in. Uh, and so that'll be cool. And then you've got um, a couple other, a couple others there. Ted Simmons yeah. and Marvin Miller are the other two, but the headliners for sure, yeah. Jeter and Walker, um, without without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. Um, and Mike, so you know, I, I, I tell you this, man, and I kind of wanted to kind of end it on end it on this right here, um, because you know now the 2021 ballot is officially in the books. Um, looking moving forward to 2022, right? A-Rod is on the ballot for the first time. Um, I would imagine he's got a lot of the same questions surrounding him as do, you know, the guys were, you know, as Bonds and Clemens mentioned prior. Um, you also have David Ortiz, Big Poppy on the ballot. I would imagine Big Poppy's going to be looked he upon as be. a first ballot Hall of Famer. He shouldn't be. You don't think so, though? Interesting. See, I, I'm going to make I'll make the argument for him real quickly in saying that man was a post was an absolute postseason monster, was a clutch guy, great clubhouse guy. I look and if I am and this is my argument for a Hall of Famer. When you say the name David Ortiz, Mike, he you think he's a Hall of Famer? Ballot. Okay, but that's that's I think that's where I'm where I have the disconnect sometimes is that first ballot is. I know that's that's rarefied to some extent the air there, but if you're a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer, and so I look at him and say I, I vote him in first first ballot. You know, I mean, is there somebody that you want to you'd rather vote for Rowan in his on his fifth year over Poppy or Omar Vizquel over Poppy in his you, fifth year you, on the ballot? You, you know my, what I mean? How many? That's what I look at. Ten votes. I mean, I mean, how many can you put on every year on your ballot if you wanted to? You yeah. can put up to ten guys on there, correct? If, if you want, if here's my ten yeah. guys, I'd take Schilling, Bonds, Clemens, uh, Viscal. Yep. Uh, Wagner. Okay, I like Tottenham. that. I agree with you on that with him. Um. So that's that's uh, six right there. Jeff Kent. That's six seven. right now. Yep. Um. Yeah. You might have a little bias in the Jeff Kent. You know, I'd put Scott Rowland eight. Um, yeah. And and looking at, at some of these other ones, that these newcomers on the ballot, um, I would probably. I mean, I, but, I but you're putting some the of them ballot. over Poppy, though. Um, I would, hmm. you know, looking looking at the newcomers, I might even go with, with – uh, um, let's see how many how many does he have there? Uh, I'm I'm looking at Papelbon. I you know I'd probably look at doing Jonathan Papelbon on there. That's that's intriguing. I'd you have know, to look and, way more into Papelbon um, as being a first ballot I, I type think, guy. See, that's my question though. If you're going to put Papelbon on there, 
You're not going to put Poppy on instead of him? I'd I'd have to look into this, but initially, David Ortiz would probably not get my vote. I would probably go with somebody who has, you know, David Ortiz is going to get a lot of votes already. You know, and and in my opinion, I just, I would... Mm Yeah, you'd rather keep somebody I, else's I name so, alive you know, on the ballot. Like, hopefully, like Sammy Sosa. Got you. you know, I I love slamming Sammy, uh, but I wouldn't even vote for him because the man's only getting percent of the ballots. You know, I'd probably go with. Um, I mean, heck, I might even do Andrew Jones because, regardless of how his last few years looked, man, like. Let me let me. You brought up Andrew Jones. I hear a lot of people clamoring for him as being somebody that's in. And his while his line's interesting to me, I don't think I can go there fully with him. I love his defense. I love what he was about. He was speed. He could had a cannon of an arm, made every play for you out there in the outfield. But yet, man, something isn't quite in terms of the hitter, man. Struck out way too much for me, had a lot of lean years, uh, didn't have that many big offensive seasons. I, I mean, he 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 is like an Omar Vizquel to me. And, at and a position see, where I expect more and, offense. And here's my argument for Omar Vizquel. He, he was in that position before it became the offensive prowess position that it is. Um, and, I mean, he, oh, did, you know, yep, he was a magician with the glove. And he did it in both the American and National Leagues. And there was a and, – and, that's true. I, I, you always forget yeah, about that just, last little bit of time he spent there with the Giants. And he and, performed and he very almost, well in his I'm last few years. He resurrected his career, but he should have been an all-star in San Francisco one of those years. He got he got snubbed in the uh, in the Pittsburgh oh, all-star yeah. game. He he actually became a much he actually became a much more and I think it's probably just from being around the game and just learning situations, but became he, a pretty good did. situational his, his clutch hitter there. In San Francisco toward his, weren't toward anything the end. special, but he still won gold gloves. You know, he won two gold gloves in the National League. Um, one one other guy, Mike. Yeah. I know we're we're hitting on you know gold glove caliber guys, but a guy that that I I really I'm glad it's getting more more kind of more love on the ballot now. I think Todd Helton's he's, a guy that I think up. should get some looks. Um, I really like I really like Sheffield too, to be honest with you. Um, there's no, I mean, not as many questions about his some of his extracurriculars at times, and you knew what he was before those, even awesome. if there were. Um, Manny's another one that interests me though, with 28. percent It's just kind of mind boggling that a guy that was as good a hitter as Manny sits there at 28, but I guess it's just I view that Hall of Fame yeah. vote and I don't view it as much through that prism I, of the steroid know, it, lens. Um, yeah. And it's what we grew up with, man. It, it's what it, – yeah. it, the whole era was that way. So do you do you ban essentially an entire era of the game from being and, in the Hall? And you, and you can't. And this pick and choose be a Hall thing – What's that? I don't know. I, you know, I, I'd say Manny's a Hall of Famer. You know, I, as I look at it, I need to look at it. You know, the, the, the Papelbon vote maybe doesn't doesn't hold any weight. But, you know, I, I think I could give my vote to Gary Sheffield. Mm-hmm. I mean, the man had 509 home runs. Manny Ramirez, I could give it to him, 555 home runs. But, my, you know, for me, it's like I know, I know what David Ortiz did. You know, we all remember the home runs into the night sky late into October. Yep you know, against the Yankees and Indians and so many teams. You're you just know. saying you'll pick him up year, year, year two, year three, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. He, he will get my vote, just not in year one. There are other guys, in my opinion, who need to be in the Hall of Fame before he is. And if he is in, in my opinion, before the, you know, David Ortiz is one of those people who right now is on a pedestal. He is he is on a pedestal. He was the the darling of baseball, if you will. It didn't matter, you know whatever you know what what team he played for you know everybody loved big poppy mm-hmm. um but i just i have a problem with you know who i mean you look at his numbers and he was he was mediocre those first few years you know he had a similar trajectory like he was just he was a mediocre player you know from 97 to 02 when, when he was with Minnesota yeah his early years of his career with the twins it's funny during quarantine i actually watched uh that one of that twins team in the the year they lost the angels the rally monkey angels i'm in mean, the alcs oh, yeah. 
and saw Poppy. Yep. And, man, just totally different guy. I mean, he got to Boston, and he figured things out. Um, yeah. So you could even look at that and say, man, if he would have been – granted, he played DH, you know, majority – I mean, pretty much his entire career. So he was able to play he, longer and able to allow those numbers in. to be a little bit better than maybe they would have been had it just been him having to play some defense position. Yeah, and and I'll say this: had he, um, had he, uh, had Edgar Martinez not been elected to the Hall, I would be opposed to David Ortiz. That's that's probably fair. That's probably I would, fair. I, I would be because. David Ortiz did not define the position. Edgar Martinez defined the and, position. And the only thing I would argue against that, Mike, um, would be to say Edgar Martinez, while he did define the position, did not have the power that Poppy had, nor did he have the big game gravitas moments that Poppy had. And those really those but, really count for something. They really do. And, and they do, but look at the team. I mean, Edgar does have here. one. I mean, he has the one where he got the hit that got Junior, junior home. Um, yeah, to beat the you know to beat the Yankees that year. I mean that was an amazing moment. Uh, but so Edgar know, has Seattle, some. Poppy's got a bunch. A playoff powerhouse either. No, no, they weren't. Not not until not until that group kind of finally kind of saved it and banded together and kept baseball in Seattle that year. Yeah. Mike, we yeah. could we could go all day talking about man guys that you know could be in the hall, and it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. Um, the tenth year on the ballot for. Essentially, the, ster- the the true steroid crew that really could be there based off their numbers that aren't, and I'm even including Sosa in that uh, discussion, just because of yeah. the sheer number of home runs um, and what he meant to the game. I think there's also just a little bit of what they meant to the game, but uh, we yeah. could do that all day, Mike, brother. I, I want to, uh, I kind of want to get into uh, a little bit about a little bit about what's going on in the stove here. Okay. You know the the stove is the stove's interesting this year. I, it has uh, been. It has been. It's it's uh it, it's it's interesting. You know, like I I think there's more moves being made uh, than than I would I'm willing to say anyone expected um, because they you know everybody talks about the financial strain and everything else with with the stove, um, but with, with this year because of uh um because of COVID and everything else, but they, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've been, I've been pleasantly surprised. uh, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. The, the mass number of kind of different teams that have kind of come in here in the trades, it really didn't pick up until right around Christmas. Right. I mean, a a few moves before that were interesting. I mean, I think the big one that popped out was Charlie Morton signing with the Braves bolstering that rotation was a big one. But then really, like, and then Christmas, you know, you started having some really moving and shaking. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of when it got uh, kind of it, the ball really started rolling. I mean, there is one – there is still a, a big, big fish still out there in Trevor Bauer. Yes. Um, but majority of the big, big-time fish now have kind of uh, found homes. Yeah. They – you know, they, they've um... – you know, I mean, I wasn't. I honestly was not expecting Nolan Arenado to be traded this week. What um, a what a huge colossal move! And, and just man, a, a, a bad move for the Rockies, in my opinion. I mean, that was just it was. It's it just screams out that they were trying that they had some cash concerns, right? Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, no other no other way to put it. Uh, yeah. I just don't. And and man. I mean, how much? And I guess this begs the question, Mike, because it it it's sort of a, a kind of a, a dynamic discussion. Teams like the Rockies, teams yep. like the Pirates. Um, the granted, the Pirates, I don't think traded anything as close to the level of what the Rockies gave up in Arenado. Yeah, but like you, you barely even got anything back in return. No, you didn't. Um, you trade them away, and then it's like, oh, here's some money while we're at it. It it just, I mean, and and you know, I would like to do some more investigating on the players because I think it goes to this perspective of, well, a guy's only a top 15 prospect. Well, yeah, let's be real about this real quick. Unless they're the top four or five guys, every system five through 15 is pretty interchangeable yes. um, in terms of your ranking. So if you're getting good, good quality players that are going to eventually help your major league team in, in time, they may not be studs, 
but they'll be good competitive pieces. You hope that you're building around other studs um, when you're not winning. I get that perspective, although not so for the Rockies. Um, yeah, this was a bad, bad move, especially when you had him under contract like for they a did. Long time. But it, it obviously comes to the fact that last year, man, people, teams did not make money. It hurt them. And, I mean, it's the only thing that makes sense in this move for Arenado because, I mean, the Rockies had him under team control, uh, if I'm not mistaken, at least through 2024. It might even have been longer than that. Um, and so to make that move like they did was was just a, a huge shock uh, – Shock to the system, and man, just a, a terrible, terrible news for everybody that uh, resides in the NL Central. Yeah, well, and and somehow the, the Cardinals got the premier sluggers of the NL West in Goldschmidt and Arenado in the span of three years. Um, they have the best corners in baseball. Yeah, that I mean, that that's a corner that you know for a while in the All Star game that should have been the starting corner. You know, the Diamondbacks and and Rockies would be represented, and now. You know, it's going to be two Cardinals, you know. it's And it's Gold Glove caliber guys. Yeah, it's Gold Glove caliber guys. I mean, they just – this is like – it's it's almost like fantasy team-esque is, is what just happened here, you know. It, you, you don't even see – people don't draft Goldschmidt and Arenado in fantasy baseball um, because you can't draft them both because somebody will take one before the other's taken, you know, mm-hmm. unless you have back-to-back picks, you will never have Arenado and Goldschmidt on the same team. Yeah. Um, I mean, and Mike, so let's, let's kind of, let's kind of walk that into, you know, into the realm here of the stove, which is like, man, the, the Cardinals now have literally the two best defensive players at the corners who are both offensive threats. To go along with a pretty, you know, good core as well around them and Tommy Edmond and Paul yeah. DeYoung, and you're going to have Yachty back again, but you have Weeders in back of him who's a pretty good good hitter in his own right, you know. Yeah. They have a very good uh, core of guys, one that I expect, honestly, with these moves. They were the winner of the offseason, in my opinion, just by this one trade. They've mm-hmm. only made – they've only really made – they only have three things on their transaction list, right? One was bringing back Wayne Wright uh, to a one-year deal. This trade, but this trade alone makes them the winners of the offseason in the NL Central for me 100%, and Absolutely. probably in all the National League as well. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's it's almost unfathomable. Um, another team, Mike, though, that I, I think had a really good offseason, and they are not – they're in the AL Central, but that's the Chicago White Sox. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, I mean – when, when you think about it, just just off the top, you know, bringing in Liam Hendricks to solidify that bullpen for them, I think is a huge move for them because I think at times that was a struggle for them. You got back Adam Eaton. You signed yeah. Lance Lynn. Um, you know, or you got Lance Lynn in that trade. Excuse me, you didn't sign him, but you got him in the trade there for Dunning. You gave up a good prospect there in Dane Dunning uh, who had major league, actually been in the major leagues. But, I mean, pretty wild. And you're also able to um, exercise the option there on on, on L'Oreal Garcia uh, yeah. or L'Oreal Garcia, which is a pretty nice move move on their part. So, I mean, man, it's incredible to me. Um, those moves by the White Sox have been pretty good. I mean, you added a, a, a great solid, a great starting pitcher. You got uh, the probably one of the premier closers in the game, and you got a really good bat and a clubhouse guy who's been there before, and Adam Eaton who knows the culture of a yeah. winning winning thing in Chicago. Yeah. And and he just was came from it in Washington too. Yeah. Um it pretty pretty impressive uh moves there from the White Sox. Uh Mike, can you think of a team another team that you kind of really felt was a big winner though other than the Cardinals and White Sox in, in your opinion? I mean the Padres have been making some moves. That's true. I, I mean, mean <laughs> obviously. I mean getting Blake Snell somehow from from the uh the Rays was a great I mean great move they're going they're going all out though here right I mean they're trading a lot of the farm um not all the farm but but, they're trading a lot of it notice their moves though they're 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 not they haven't traded away like the top the top names no no they haven't they've uh they've built a really good team um and a really good farm where they realize a number 28 prospect on their team is you know a number fifteen in somebody else's farm? That's how that's how deep their farm is. Is 
they've, you know, a lot of, a lot of these prospects they have. Um, and they, I mean, these trades and these signings, I mean, they signed jerks and Profar to a nice um, big deal. They, uh, you know, they were just involved in a, in a trade with the, the Mets and, and the Pirates, you know, to, to move some pieces around. So, I mean, you know, it, 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 you just look at some of the moves they've made in general, though, yeah. right? I mean, they got, you know, they, they had a, I mean, obviously the, the additions of Snell and Darvish are absolutely huge type moves um, yeah. to bolster that rotation that now has Lament and uh, Paddock. Unfortunately, Clevenger won't be back next season um, from oh. everything that we're, we're reading there. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Here's one that we forgot. You Darvish to the Padres. Oh, no, I was just bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah. And you know who else? They got a pretty good catcher in that as well. And Vic um, Caratini. And Vic Caratini, who, you know, the Padres had a, had a kind of a conglomerate of catchers there last year. And yeah. another move, Mike, that they made that's really under the radar that I think people, that people will definitely uh, be looking more into once the season gets going, they got Nick Birdie. Yes. Who, man, electric arm with the Buccos, had a couple of – Tough, tough situations with injuries the past two years. Uh, watch out. Watch yeah. out for that Nick Birdie signing to help out in that back of that bullpen. Maybe not as a closer, but definitely a guy who will give them some high leverage late innings and has a lot of strikeout stuff. Yeah. Um, talked about the Padres. You know, the fathers are looking really looking strong. How about the Blue Jays, Mike? Making a couple moves to get and going out and signing, you know, Marcus Simeon, a great shortstop defensively, good bat take them off the A's, weaken an opponent, and George Springer um, weakening as the, well. The Astros. Yeah, I mean, both you're weakening, you know, you weaken the A's out there with Simeon, and you also weaken the uh, the Astros there with Springer now being being a J. You kind of insert him now into that lineup that has Teoscar Hernandez, Bo Bichette, Vladdy Jr. Um, pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a good move. Um, and then they traded, they get Stephen Matz. I mean they 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 get Stephen Matz back, or, or they they get him from from the Mets. Um, I mean, looking, I mean they've got they've, you, you've they've, got Kirby Yates as well, who has had I, some success yeah. as a back end bullpen guy. And Tyler Chatwood, yeah. you know, they the the Jays need help in the in the rotation. That's without a doubt. Um, but, but they they've got they've got some depth now because I mean they've got Ryu they've got Stripling they've got Robbie Ray they've got Steven Matz you know they could get Taiwan Walker if he hasn't signed I haven't heard him signing anywhere um, you know but I mean Marcus I mean Marcus Simeon in there with you know like you said with Vladdy and Bichette and Kevin Biggio um, and then George Springer in the outfield you know I mean he's going to shore up that outfield there. Um, and and Absolutely. and just kind of solidify that, you know, hold hold down the fort. So I mean, well, they're they're looking good. So the other the other team in the AL East, Mike, that I thought was a big winner as well, the Bronx Bombers, the Evil Empire, the the yeah. uh, the Yankees. Yeah. Um, I mean, to able to add a guy like Corey Kluber, and then also Jamison Tyon to your staff, I think is huge. Now, one big thing, though, was the defection of Tanaka. Was pretty interested to hear that he was going back to pitch in Japan. Yep. Um, but, I, but I think the Yankees, they're obviously the re-signing of DJ LeMayu is also a big coup for them in the offseason. Yeah. I'm not sure they're totally, totally done yet either. But, you know, very, uh, very interesting in the fact that, you know, in that Pirates trade there, you gave up, you know, you gave up some prospects. You gave up four guys that are in, in right in that top 20 area of your system. Um, but you got a guy in Tyon who has elite stuff and could come into New York motivated as all get out and could have one of the best, could have one of his best seasons ever and wouldn't shock me one bit. If Jameson Tyon does that Kluber's a veteran, a guy who's got a lot of good stuff. thought the Yankees did well for themselves. that went again, this particular off season. Um, and we know Tampa is going to do what Tampa does. It's not like they're going to do anything flashy um, in the off season. But, you know, they're going to hold on to what they need to hold on to for sure. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it was interesting to see them pick up Waka, maybe a re rejuvenation project there for them. 
but I mean that's that's what Tampa does. We yeah. we know that. Well, um, I mean they you know they they do that and it works out because then you know if they if they do well and they know that they won't resign, uh, then they then they can ship them off for prospects. You know that's kind of the beauty of that's that's what Tampa does. You know, but it's I don't think it's going to be a bad move. I think that'll I think Walker will find the fountain of youth again there, and uh, you know I I think. Uh, I think Walker will will do will do well in Tampa. I realize it's sloppy seconds for Tampa, you know, because they missed out on all those. <laughs> but they did get they did get Chris Archer back. Oh, and Mike, that brings me to the point there. You brought that up just now about getting Archer back. That will officially go down as the worst trade in the history of the game of baseball. Well, um, not not in the game of baseball, just for the Pittsburgh oh, Pirates, because you, you, you lost Glass now in Austin Meadows, and you got Chris Archer, who didn't do well. And now, let's see what Baz does as well. By the way, <laughs> okay, before we throw that all the way away, but we had a year, a year and a half of Mister Archer, um, and then he didn't pitch in twenty twenty, and yeah, man, uh, that move was was absolutely horrendous. Uh, by Neil Huntington. Yeah. Oh, man, man. So, I mean, to put it this way, that brings us to kind of biggest losers of the offseason, Mike. And I'm a Bucko fan, but I think it's fair to admit that for a major league team coming into 2021, the Pirates may have been one of the biggest losers of the offseason because you trade away, you know, as close to a franchise guy as you had there in Josh Bell, the face of it, Jameson Tyon, one of your young studs, along with Joe Musgrove. Um, granted, you rebuilt the farm system with 10 pretty good prospects um, and guys that might even help you at the major league level this year in Will Crow uh, coming from Washington. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's tough, Mike. That's I, tough I to, uh, to take, man. But at the same time, you know, it's funny. I was talking to my dad and said, what's the Pirates' realistic record? And he goes, oh, I'm thinking like – 48 and 114 and I just you know just makes you laugh because it's like probably true um and then I and then he's all but JT Brubaker's back so we might bump that up to 52 and it was like okay (laughs) yeah Yeah. he's got a war of four now but yeah I mean tough man a tough offseason for the Buccos can you think of anybody else Mike who's been I mean other than the Rockies who's been kind of a, a a kind of a loser as well, quote unquote, if you want to say that. I mean, I think there's just been a lot of teams who have been quiet, you know, yeah. I, I think there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of teams that have been quiet, you know, and, and some who have made some quiet moves that had that, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it, yeah. really quick, you know, just now as we were getting on Colton Wong signing a two year deal with yeah. the group crew. Um, nice, n- nice landing spot for him. Nice get for the brew crew. Yeah. Uh, you know. I mean that's that's a good move, you know. Because I, I look at I look in the desert of Arizona, it's quiet there, you know. It's, it is quiet there. It, it's quiet in the desert, you know. In in one half of the Bay Area, they've been quietly putting together some some nice moves that are kind of like, okay, I see you. And in you the see other in the side, a, talk about the A's moves there with uh, some of the bullpen pieces, kind of guys they think they might might help them. Uh, well, are you talking about the Giants there? Uh, well, I was talking more my team, San Francisco, yep. but I, I think. Yep. Uh, you know, because they signed Tommy Listella to a three-year deal, which isn't a bad thing. You know, they they've kind of have they have their own reclamation projects in Matt Weisler and John Berbia. Um, you know, Alex but, Wood as well too. Alex Wood, you know, I mean, they're you know they've they've quite, John Brebby is not bad. Yeah, I mean, Disco. I mean, this is some. I I, I I kind of looking at your moves here there for the. Uh, for the Giants, I mean, Whistler's a nice, nice addition as well. He had a pretty good year, actually. Yeah. Um, in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, they've, so. they've they've made some they've made some quiet good moves, and and these are these are the moves that, um, you know, Zaidi makes. You know, they're they're quiet moves. I mean, you know, Lastella is now the longest deal that they have. Um, you know, the longest contract that he's given out. You know, they brought back Kevin Gossman. They've you know brought in Desclafani. Um, you know, they've, they've made, they've made some moves. It'll be interesting to see how these guys do in a long season because they they did it in a short season. They did really well, but now let's see what they do in a long season, you know? And so these are good moves that will, um, you know, that could have some long-term impact for them. And, 
And, and the same as your Giants there, the Dodgers, the defending champs, making a lot of moves in terms of bullpen depth. Tommy Tommy Canely yeah. uh, to a two-year contract. You got Corey Knable. Yep. A lot of guys that have been really good in the past, um, Blake Trihan. Yep. You know, those three are big-time gets. You still have Jansen. Who knows what's going on there? But you added Clevenger, who was a former Tampa arm, um, and Kick Kickham, uh, who was with Boston. Um, so it's it's interesting to see – that, you know, the, it seems like the, the NL West right now kind of sort of trying to figure out, you know, and, and kind of bolstering their bullpens. Yeah. Uh, you know, another team that I think people might construe to be a bit of a uh, – not a winner, uh, we'll call them a loser yeah. for, the, uh, for this year, would probably be the Chicago, Chicago Cubs at this point in time, Mike. Yeah. Um, I mean, trading you is a big – I think a big sign that, whoa, you know, that we didn't expect to see that. Brian's definitely still up kind of on the block. You uh, let Chatwood go. Um, lots of uh, – I think there's a lot of people that would be concerned there on uh, on Wayland Avenue there for the Cubbies. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of we could go in team by team, but that's we're kind of keeping it there, kind of short, a little shorter there. Talking, Let's talk here as we kind of close here, Mike, about some of the big fish still out there and who we think might land them. Um, Rila Muto signed back with the Phillies, so he's now off the market as well. Good move for Philly to do that, I think, even though we might disagree on the value of the catcher position. I know we've spoke about that before. Um, lots of money to Rila Muto, but Bauer's still out there. Um, you have Ozuna, Didi Gregorius are kind of the three big kind of guys that are still fishing out there. Uh, do you kind of have a guess for any of those three? You know, I I honestly don't. Um, that's you know I I've been I've been struggling because it's like you see teams making moves to make openings for some of these players, and then they just don't happen. I wouldn't be surprised if this was kind of like uh, you know a few years ago where some of these guys they ended up like Jake Arrieta not getting signed till really really late, you know. <laughs> Mhm. Mhm. Um, but um, I mean, I- I'm interested to see where Bauer goes. I think whoever gets him, automatically, it just the the bolster that it that it gives to your to your club. Yeah. Um, just that boost that it's going to give you. I mean, the names that you hear out there for him. I mean, it's you know, it's it's weird too because it's like, where do you know? What to kind of even? Yeah, I mean, you'd imagine it has to be someone who's got a good. Uh, you know, it's the Dodgers, a team that we need to think about. I just, I don't see. You know, you have to look at who's in the front office, and if they can get these guys at the price, at the mm-hmm. right price, then they make the move. But you know, look at the yep. Dodgers; they have yep. young arms already. They've got David Price who's coming back, and unless they plan on trading David Price, you know. So you don't um, think so you don't think Bowers know, a Dodger? You think that's one team that's, that doesn't make as much sense maybe as others? It doesn't make sense do, to me. Do you I think just, Boston? It, it doesn't. Do you it, think Boston's too far away to make a move on Bauer? I think so. I'd agree. Um, I I think you know, honestly, when it's all said and done. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to, say, Cincinnati. I would be very shocked about that. I would be too, but I wouldn't be – I I would be shocked, but at the same time I might not be. Hmm. Hmm. I I just – I don't – where he goes will be a surprise to everyone. I'll say that. I don't I don't think he's going to any of these places that are trying to open up to free up salary and to free up a rotation spot right. for him. I would I would not be surprised. Here I'll, I'll I'll say this and you'll laugh at me. Think of a team like San Francisco that is on the bubble but they're not quite there. They they might be a couple years away, but don't be surprised if a team like that just comes out of nowhere and says Hey, come on, Trevor, come home. We've got a spot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I, I would not be, if you would have told me that he would sign with San Francisco, I would, I would laugh at you, you know, at the start of the off season, but that's why 
I don't think he's, you know, like the Mets or the Nationals or any of these other teams that, you know, keep on talking to him. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a team like San Francisco or Toronto. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, I could really see Toronto as being a Bauer destination. That makes a lot of sense, Mike. Um, I will say, too, remember there from earlier, didn't give the Cubs credit for the Jock Peterson signing. That that could be a good yes. one for him. Um, could be a good one. Um, Mike, you know, talking about talking about Bauer, the next guy on that, of the big kind of fish still out there that I wanted to kind of think about here real quickly was, as we close, Ozuna. Hearing a lot about him yep. with Tampa, which I think would be a really interesting move. Um, but where, I mean, where do you like a guy like that to go? I mean, he definitely has the potential just to go to the AL, the DH, and I feel like some teams are checking on him there. Doesn't seem like he's very likely to go back to Atlanta. Um, I mean, he's kind of been a rent a player here for the last few years. You know, the Cardinals did it, and now the Braves did it. I mean, who do you think is going to get Ozuna, uh, in your opinion? Um, you know, I, I've heard, I've heard Ozuna even linked to, not to make this about my team, but I've heard him linked to San Francisco, Mm -hmm. you know, especially if, you know, the DH is brought back after this season for both leagues. Um, I just, I think that there is a, um, you know, his, his market, a team may look at him and say, you know what, if the DH is coming back after this year, we sign him to a long-year deal and tolerate the liability he is in left field. We tolerate it, but we know that the DH is coming, so we sign him now kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So, I honestly, I could see him going to Tampa. That seems like a Tampa kind of a move. He doesn't, you know, he just, if he really wanted a long-term deal, he would go for it. But I don't think... I, I feel like the teams he wants to go to don't want to sign him because of the liability. And so his market is limited to the American League. Yeah. I think he wants to play in a National League park. I think he wants to play in the National League. Because he wants to keep really playing defense, play man. The American... What's he that? wants to keep playing left field. He has a, he yeah, has a he cannon. Wants. He just doesn't make the sound plays as often as he should. As he should, yes. And that's why it's one of those, like, I could see a team like San Francisco signing him because, you know what, you put him out there five, six innings, you know, or more than that, you know, maybe six or seven innings. And, uh, you know, he goes out for six, seven innings, and then, oh, my team has a lead. Okay, and he's probably willing to sit the remainder of the game kind of a thing, you know, unless it's a really close game. Yeah, I mean, if Um, if the situations situations present themselves mm -hmm. and you're winning baseball games and – you know, you want to maybe remove him in the eighth inning or the ninth inning for defense after he's taken it at bat. Okay, I'm. Yeah. Most most guys are understanding of that, um, especially if you have a, a good I, defensive player out there to take his spot. Uh, yeah. In in San Francisco seems like the perfect fit because they're doing platoons all mm-hmm, over the diamond. Mm-hmm. And then and then finally, so, oh, go ahead, Mike. There, but I mean, finally, Mike. The other, the last guy um, is Didi. I'm very interested in him because. Shortstop's a position that doesn't get the love it typically deserves, but yet feel like he could really help a team out big time because he's a good defender. I've been hearing a lot of a lot of Reds fans down my way clamoring for Didi Gregorius. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, Didi Didi went back to the Phils. Is that official? Yeah. Oh well, I'm I'm working with I'm working with something that this app I'm using here, Mike, did not. Did not help me there. Was not my friend. <laughs> so I guess yeah, so. Zuna is the only uh, Zuna and Bauer, the big two fish, still kind of circling the pond. Yes. Yeah. And I think whoever, I mean, depending on who gets Bauer, uh, it it really can change the power structure of a league. If you know, if, if a team that already has a deep rotation gets him and puts him at the top of it, say like a yeah. Yankees, you know. Say, uh, I mean, see, I mean, I, I can't really think of anybody else who. I mean, I guess you just say the Yankees are kind of the team in the AL right now that seem to be kind of building, right, Mike? I mean, yeah, the NL seems to be pretty, pretty wide. I guess the White Sox would be another team that might be able to entertain the idea of Bauer for sure. But it's mm-hmm. like, really, once you get past that kind of that top top level of a team, there. 
in the AL, I mean, it's there's not a lot of depth there. I mean, are the Twins really going to make big moves? They can't win playoff games. Um, yeah. I mean, Oakland's not going to do that. Yeah, I just I, – I think Oakland – Oakland lost three too many pieces. Um, you know, in, in Hendricks, Simeon, and uh, and Listella. You know, I, I just – I, I think that they, they lost three too many pieces, but, and then, you know, you're, you're losing the brilliant mind of, um, of Billy Bean, you know, but I, I think, uh, I, you know, the, the, the A's, I, I think are hurting the Astros. I, while I like Houston, you know, I, I, you lost the heart and soul of your team. I don't care what anybody says. Um, you know, so I, I think that there's, um, <clears throat> you know, o- Oakland, Oakland's going to hurt. So some of these teams that were in the playoffs year, you know, they're just they're hurting. Um, but yeah. Yeah, Mike, I mean, you know, you bring up the point about Billy Bean being gone. That's, that's a tough loss. Uh, you'd like to think, at least for Oakland, that the kind of the format and kind of the way they've uh, – the blueprint that he's had, you know, it was a damn movie, Moneyball, uh, that they still have a lot of those principles instilled in that organization uh, from when he left. Um, but they definitely took a hit. But it's Oakland. Typically they take hits and they keep on, they keep on hitting, you know, um, and, and they continue to – find ways to win games um so i'm not necessarily going to sit here and and say that the a's are a team that i i don't see making a run because they're still going to have you know the oakland a way and that culture to some extent with some with a, with a team that's still pretty good even though they lost like you said three huge pieces of Hendricks, um simeon but, you know you're still gonna have olsen and chapman the mats at the corners and we love the Cardinals for the mats at their corners. Astros, definitely. Great point on Springer. Um, I mean, he is the heart and soul. Altuve and Correa are great up the middle. But you lost part of the middle defense there with Springer. Um, and he was kind of the leader into certain respects uh, uh, of that team and moves on. And so might be the beginning of the end for kind of a new era in Houston potentially sooner than later uh, coming down the way. So I like that point on the Astros. And then to bring it back there home with the Phillies, the Phillies, um, you know, kind of miss, miss speaking there on Didi. Uh, you know, two-year, $28 million, you sign Rilo Muto. I think the Phillies are kind of a team that positioning themselves, making some interesting moves to kind of get that bullpen some more pieces, some more depth in that bullpen. Um, and maybe they'll make another splash or two. Maybe you get a little bit better and more production out of Andrew McCutcheon. A guy who thinks still's got something inside of him potentially. Um, so, you know, the Phillies, in my opinion, getting Didi back, Henry Lamuto, uh, definitely were winners as well as offseason. So that was three for me. Uh, Mike, I appreciate you joining me, brother. Always a good time to have you out here on the porch. And the stove is heating up, and, uh, you know, hopefully it'll heat us up and get this cold weather out of here, and the pitchers and catchers will be out there soon. We're hearing uh, 154 games. Potentially with some expanded playoffs in DH. So uh, more baseball conversation will definitely be coming your way. And thanks again, Big Daddy Mike, for joining me. He had a heart out there. Had to had to uh, get back to producing the evening news out there in Idaho. Um, we thank Mike, and you guys take it easy. <laughs>